Hey folks, this is a Tyler Orton beaming in to let y'all know that Cam is enjoying his time uh, traversing Europe right now. But uh, despite the fact that uh, he's on a well-deserved vacation, Cam, we've got a bit of a bonus for folks. Uh, something that we've never actually shared before in our subspace feed. What, what do we have in store for these folks uh, right now? That's right. Back in the day, we did some Facebook commentary episodes. And we are going to release the first episode we ever did, which was a commentary for the Voyager episode Threshold, one many of you may hold in very low regard, but Tyler and I have a sneaking fondness for. We had fun doing this, so I think you listeners will have fun. Um, you know what? Get your Netflix account going, or I guess it's Paramount Plus now, and uh, tune up uh, your uh, your streaming service and get watching this uh, Threshold episode and listen to us comment on what's going on here. Transfer complete. Hello and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast where two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that Star Trek has to offer. I'm Cam Smith, and joining me on the bridge for this bonus Facebook commentary. This is Tyler Orton going past Warp 10. Awesome. For this episode, we are going to do a special commentary for the Voyager episode Threshold, a beloved by us at least, and I'm sure many of you. So we are going to count you down into the episode, line up your DVD player, Blu-ray player, whatever, and we will count down as three, two, one, play. Okay, I'm, of course, uh, Tom Paris, he's actually going at warp speed, is he not right now? He is. He mm, is. Well... I, I think he's still in the holodeck. My favorite holodeck simulation for a, a shuttle ride was when uh, Jake Sisko dropped in on Nog on a runabout in the holodeck, or a hall of suite, and uh, waved at him in outer space. Do you recall that one? I don't. I don't. It was when uh, Nog was uh, trying out for Starfleet Academy. Okay. Now, oh, wow. Tom's at 9.3 already, Cam. It's interesting. This is a big Tom Paris episode, and he was only cho chosen for this particular gem because they felt he'd been underserved this season. Was this the service he was looking for, do you think? Uh, if I was Robert Duncan McNeil, I'd really be questioning what uh, they're trying to do with me there. Yeah, he said he read the script and he could barely finish it, and he didn't actually believe they would ever shoot it. <laughs> he, they <laughs> he did not have wrong. high hopes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, you gotta go, you gotta go. Here we go. Okay, that yeah. you know, that was the writer's room as they were trying to write this <laughs> episode. Boom. <laughs> and like, hairy sad face, that was everybody on staff there. I don't understand. Well, like... When Belana said you're dead, she was talking about the script. <laughs> it's on life support people. Yes. <laughs> I've always found it a little um, baffling, the whole Warp 10 thing being this, you know, end point. Because I know the original series leapt well over Warp 10 many points. and They, they hit like Warp 57, and I think it was, I don't know, Ultimate Computer. Maybe it was a Season 3 episode. But Roddenberry imposed in, uh, for TNG, it had to be Warp 10. Why do you think that was? I, I honestly, I have no problem with them like reconfiguring the scale. Mm -hmm. I, that's how I've justified it in my own, own mind. Because recall back in Enterprise, it was a big deal that they were the first Warp 5 capable ship. Right. I have to believe it's on the same scale as we're seeing here on uh, Voyager right now. That Warp 5 in Voyager's 24th century is the same as Warp 5 in 22nd 
archer sentry. Right. No, that makes sense to me. But well, why did they decide that warp 10 had to be the top, the the impenetrable speed? Yeah. I don't know. You know what? We have 10 digits on our fingers, or 10 digits on our hands, so maybe that's why. So is this the episode where Voyager goes to 11? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Uh, So, uh, Cam, (laughs) let's share a little bit during the uh, credits here, but... uh, I watched this episode uh, first run back in you know, 96, 97, I believe. And I remember I liked Tom Paris at the time, and I thought the idea of him uh, going to Warp 10 sounded cool. Uh, this is an episode that made me angry by the end. But uh, you and I, we've since revisited, and we should explain why we're doing this for our, our, our listeners here. Yeah, though. why are we doing this to them? <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, this is actually an episode I think is worth revisiting just for how wild and out there it is. Mm-hmm. It's entertaining, even not, if not completely weird, and I understand why people are not fans. It's a fascinating failure. Yeah. Which is more than you can say for a lot of episodes like The Fight. Sure. You know, see, the fight's just boring. This is not yeah. boring. You remember all the stuff that's going on, you know. So here we are. Uh, we're in mess hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam, would this be your hangout, go-to hangout spots uh, if you're aboard uh, Star Trek Voyager? I mean, I guess. Oh. Where else? It's that or the French bar on the holodeck. Yeah, they got rid of that French bar uh, pretty quickly. Uh, did it make it past season two? I don't think so. Wow. I mean, it was. Then they went to Fairhaven. Uh, believe <laughs> me. I mean, I would probably go to like the beach hangout they had at a certain point. That yeah. was that was probably the coolest. Do you think people are just trying to get away from Neelix? Wouldn't you be? Well, I don't. You know what, Neelix? I, I go back and forth on him. Uh, I like Ethan Phillips a lot. Let me put it this way: Would you hang out with Neelix? Oh, I, I think my silence is quite telling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, Bellana's ditching Neelix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's interesting. Mike, Michael DeLuca had the story on this. And Michael DeLuca is a really notable figure in Hollywood. He was the uh, president at a certain point of uh, New Line Cinema. And New Line Cinema, you know, they did the, the uh, Lord of the Rings series, Blade, Austin Powers, Dumb and Dumber. But what's interesting about th- that studio is it was known as like the house Freddy Krueger built because they launched the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And Mike DeLuca had the story for this. And this feels very much like kind of that pulpy kind of gross, grotesque idea of what a lot of New Line kind of got by with. Yeah, you and I, we spoke about this episode quite a bit when we were in the Las Vegas convention. We had a panel there talking about how uh, film has influenced Star Trek episodes specifically. Right. And we talked about a, a lot about the horror elements here in Thresholds. Uh, a lot of shout-outs to, say, uh, Silence of the Lambs as well as The Fly. Yeah. Uh, so... I, I totally get that you'd have kind of like a, a, a guy from a horror background uh, come in and pitch a story like this. You know, this transformative sort of process somebody could face if they do the impossible, what what man is not meant to do. Right, and Brennan Bragg is a big horror geek. He, he's set on, I know, the Enterprise DVDs. And I, I have to believe this was like crack for him, having Mike DeLuca pitch him an idea for kind of a grotesque Voyager episode. Yeah. Because Brennan Bragg, not a huge Star Trek geek. No, uh, but let me ask you this, Cam. Uh, you are bringing up the warp speeds earlier. Yeah. You recall by all good things, they're going to like warp 13. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like to think it's the same scale, but maybe they had to reconfigure that scale once again in their own minds about, uh, you know, I, I, I can't imagine by the time we saw the uh, the USS Pasteur, it, it was actually going at transwarp speeds. It, it'd be right. everywhere and anywhere across the entire galaxy. So that warp 13 has to represents something else yeah maybe the equivalent of warp 
9.999999. You know, they they need to amp it up without actually breaking this uh, warp tent threshold. Hey, look, Neelix saved the day, guys. <laughs> yep, that's the first and last time Neelix ever heard that. Yeah. That's an unfortunate apron. It really is. I have one in my kitchen. You know what? I would buy one, I think. <laughs> I make fun of it, but... All right. Oh, we're back in the shuttle, that same angle. Uh, pretty easy day for the director if he just had to do this angle. Uh, how many times do we visit this shuttlecraft in the episode, Cam? This is number two. Let, oh, let's, quite a uh, few. Let's keep track of it. I mean, let's be honest. They blew the budget on other things in this episode. They saved money here. Sure. Yeah. yeah you got to have uh, that salamander budget uh, on hand for you. Oh, yeah. So he's been working on this for a month now. <laughs> And this is how far, and it took Neelix to figure it out. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess Neelix does have his uses. Yeah. Does Janeway know what's going to be happening to her uh, by the end of this episode at this point? I'm not even sure Kate Mulgrew did. No. <laughs> Kate Mulgrew said this is like the, the episode she's the most uncomfortable with. I We were at the convention last year, and or maybe two years ago in Las Vegas, and the entire cast was just mocking this relentlessly about how they turned to lizards at the end jerry ryan didn't know what they were talking about and they were like no we're serious and she started laughing i'm not sure if she still believed them by the end of it yeah do you think uh chakote i don't know could, could he have become a salamander and uh i don't know what would that have done for his character cam uh, made him more charismatic maybe yeah, you give him an, uh, at least a more notable trait than his tattoo we'll get to it, but, you know, Chakotay does stumble across the lizards. I feel like he doesn't express enough astonishment in that moment. <laughs> no, he's he's treating the lizards as if it's uh, Tuvok, uh, Tuvix being uh, told he's going to have to uh, turn back into Neelix and Tuvok. He, he just kind of shrugs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Tom, Tom's looking frisky there. He knows he's going to turn Salamander soon. Now, did you know this was the third most watched episode of the season? I, I, I let me guess. There was a big drop off the following week, <laughs> and this won the Emmy for best makeup over the DS Nine episode, The Visitor. Uh, well, that's just old person makeup. Uh, I, I'll give this props for the makeup work. I, I dig the makeup. What about you, sir? Yeah, the makeup is, I think, the one thing to really take away quality wise. Yeah, there's things to take away, sort of. Um, Analysis-wise, but the makeup there is indisputably great. Cam, let me ask you this: uh, Do you think this is foreshadowing at all? Tom, he's in his house coat in his quarters. By the end of this episode, Captain Janeway and Tom Paris will have mated right. and uh, produced offspring as well. I don't know. Maybe this scene is alluding to that, that somehow. Is this like the meet cute? Meet cute. Yeah, you know, it's a Roger Ebert term for like romantic comedies. That's, you know, people always meet in cute ways and then that evolves into like the romance of the story. How they keep falling back on small talk that they made yeah. earlier in the movie. Like maybe they, you know, are walking down the street and they bump into each other. It's like, oh, hello. Uh, oh, sorry. I was just on my in a hurry to get to so and so, you know. Yeah. That sort of thing. Well, okay. So Janeway is telling Tom he can't go on the mission. Tom ain't a fan of that. Do you think it's daddy issues right now? He wants to prove something. I think it's everything for him is daddy issues. Yeah. I recall this episode being just totally badass crazy from the outset, but this starts off as a pretty straightforward kind of plot, you know? It does, yeah. It's not nutty just yet. But, you know, it's just winding up. It's a slow <laughs> burn to absolute insanity. 
<laughs> Tom Paris is going to do something important. <laughs> Turn into a salamander, folks. So this is the one episode Brian Braga wishes he could forget. Now, do you think it's because of the actual episode quality, or do you think it's because he's tired of people asking him about it? I feel bad for him, because every single convention that we've seen him at, he has to apologize for this episode again and again, and he acquiesces, but I, I, I say, Brandon, you don't have to do it anymore. It's been 20 years. No. It's, you know, the mean, episode's, it, it's got a reputation for being the worst of the worst. It's not that bad. It's 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 pretty bad, it's, but it's memorable. It, yeah. Like at least we find it entertaining. If I were Brandon, I'd just say it was all Michael DeLuca's uh, fault. But I mean, there's a lot of talented people here, you know, really uh, swinging and missing because it's directed by Alexander Singer, who did lots of great episodes like yep. Relics, Hard Time, Macrocosm, uh, Worst Case Scenario, Tattoo. <laughs> oh, hey, look, it's our favorite trader, Mike Jonas. Mm. Um. Cam, we may have to uh, be doing a little bit more Mike Jonas research for... Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for listeners. Uh, I haven't pitched this idea to you yet, but uh, there might be some Jonas research in your near future. Oh, don't worry. I've been doing research for years now. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what they were trying to do with that particular arc with uh, you know, uh, the, the traitor aboard, you know, giving the ship away to the Kazon. It really went nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Kazon had the ship by the end of the uh, season anyway. Spoiler yeah. alert. The Kazon are just like kind of vaporware. You kind of forget about everything to do with them at a certain point. Why is uh, Belana and uh, uh, Mike Jonas up here now? Why not in her usual kind of alcove in engineering? Uh, she likes the view up there? I don't know. Maybe just on that day they were like, this would be more fun. We haven't seen this angle before. Sure. Change of scenery? Uh, I, I think everybody was looking for a change of scenery after this episode aired. <laughs> Let's be fair. You know, this whole episode is kind of about changing things up for, uh, <laughs> yep, yeah. you know. They, yes, they wanted it to be a transformative angle. Oh. Uh-oh. Well, Kate Mulgrew's expression says everything you need to know about this episode. Cam, not for an instance that I believe that Voyager was going to make it home by, you know, figuring out the warp 10 threshold. Right. Is uh, that a fault of the premise right off the bat? It is, because you know by the end it's going to have that reset button pushed and they're going to be still in the Delta Quadrant. Right. Uh-oh. They lost him. So, Brennan Braga said this was a reference to, you know, this whole thing is kind of an homage to the fly. Who's the Gina Davis in this equation? Is it Janeway? Uh, it has to be, yeah. yeah. It would be. Um... Who is the, uh, oh, uh, what's the uh, rival? <laughs> the guy who gets, like, his arm and leg melted off? Yeah. Um, ooh, good one. There, I wish there was one. You'll say it's Neelix. Yeah. Right. His apron looks like he's been thrown up on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Janeway's uh, kind of, uh, she doesn't seem so concerned about the safety of uh, her crew member right now. No, that's a common Trek trope, though. People make like crazy experiments, and people don't seem that scared. Yeah, they kind of know that maybe the person will be back uh, by the end of the episode. Yeah. Alrighty. Now it begins, Cam. Mm-hmm. The downward spiral. Eh, it only took 15 minutes. The doctor makes his first appearance. Curious, do you think... Uh... Neelix is more or less jealous of Tom after the transfer transformation here. Why? Because he starts to look like Neelix? Yeah. Maybe that's what Kess is interested in. Well, there's a good chance. Yeah. It's probably not personality. 
Threshold. How many times have they said threshold so far, Cam? <laughs> Not enough. Man. <laughs> you can make a drinking game out of this uh, episode. Well, <laughs> people. Tom, rarely... Tom. Tom's given uh, Janeway a look already. How many times in your life have you like risen out of a bed like that, straight up, like a, like Nosferatu? Yeah. Um, I think once, <laughs> and I think I knew somebody was like uh, looking at me sleep, right? So I wanted to, you know, be dramatic. It's not a normal way to sit up. No. Guys, we have more insights like that uh, coming up, so uh, don't tune out. Do you think the writers know what he's talking about? I don't think so. Everywhere. I know the initial idea was this concept that, like, evolution shouldn't necessarily be a positive thing. Like, it could be something that isn't desirable to us. But I don't know that that theme is something that's really explored. I know there were scenes that were explained, that really explained it, but they cut them. Well, Cam, if we're going to have that evolution talk, this is what really... One of the things that bothers me most about this. Yeah. This is not how evolution works. Uh, it's not like we have a pre-mapped gen- genetic makeup in which we're going to reach uh, a particular destination, uh, in this case salamanders. It's uh, it, like transmutation happens over the course uh, of thousands of years, you know, it, it, and it's, it's based on how you interact with your environment, essentially. And I, it's not salamander as the end destination. I wonder if the problem is that they're mashing up Star Trek, which is, you know, fairly scientifically sound, or at least it tries to be, um, with very pulpy B-movie horror, you know, genre stuff. Whereas, like, had that been a separate movie unto itself, maybe it would just be kind of a fun, you know, splatter fest. Yeah. I, I wonder, though, if there's there's some sort of way they could have made evolution make sense in this. Like, say, yeah. while he was everywhere, he encountered, I don't know, some sort of genetic, like, splice thing that uh, started to transform him. I don't think I could sleep in sick bay. No, it seems incredibly uncomfortable. It's like a doctor's waiting room. Yeah, and I, I don't, you know, fault anybody for wanting to get a sick bay as quickly as possible. There's no curtains around the beds. Oh, just... We're up, same angle, third time in the uh, <laughs> shuttle. Alrighty. Yeah, there's not much privacy in the sick bay there. No. The kudos are really making their paycheck. Oh there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. So, Tom's everywhere. The entire universe. Right. This knowledge doesn't stick with him. Uh, ooh, uh, Mike Jonas, he's looking suspicious. Oh. Yeah. Maybe he's like, maybe I want to go to Warp 10. I too want to be everywhere. See, if Mike Jonas is just, if he's a traitor because he's upset with, uh, you know, Janeway's conduct or, or, or her command, shouldn't he be happy that uh, they look like they're going to be going home soon at Warp 10? Well, he doesn't jo- he just want to get home? Mike Jonas has mysterious ways. Ah, oh, that's okay. why he's always one step ahead of everyone. Yeah, makes sense. Neelix is getting a lot of screen time. Uh, this one, mm, new apron. I like it. Very like kind of tropical. You can see him serving up drinks with umbrellas in them. <laughs> Who's gonna leave uh, the table first, uh, Bellana or, or Tom? Uh, it's gotta be Tom. All right. You don't think Bellana's trying to make a, a French exit away from? Uh, Mr. Neelix? Uh-huh. Right. I'm not sensing the romantic chemistry at this point in the series. No, but you know what? The shippers were in full force this early on. Were they really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can see that uh, Robert Duncan McNeil just got a look at the script <laughs> based on that reaction. 
It's funny though, reading interviews with Robert Duncan McNeil about this episode, he was such a company man. He's like, I had so much fun with this episode. I got to wear prosthetics. I got to do goofy things. Oh, it was so much fun. Sure. I, you know what? Do you really want to rip on the people that are paying your paycheck? No. Do you want to be a Robert Beltran? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to talk bad episodes, Robert Duncan McNeil definitely pulled off a better bad episode with this than uh, Chakotay with the fight. What would you rather watch, Tattoo or The Fight? Tattoo. Definitely. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Easy. Yeah, he's looking that script again. He doesn't know what to do. Oh, Oh, he's got the uh, Harry Kim and uh, Favorite Son (laughs) markings. Yes. He's being called back to his home planet. It's the sexy space vampires. They're coming. No, there's Neelix speaking of the devil. Was that my cooking? Food poisoning again? He almost yeah. looks like Troy Fish. Troy Fish? Yeah, I see from that. G- from, yeah. uh, what's the uh, Genesis? Nothing's ever gonna uh, ever going to beat uh, Monkey Nurse Ogawa. No, quite true. Coffee. Wow. Oh, That's zing. some shade. <laughs> How would he know? He doesn't drink coffee. I, I think he just has disparaging thoughts about Neelix's cooking. Like he's heard. Uh, you know what? I, I bet enough people have come in with food poisoning that he knows uh, trouble can happen if uh, you're, you're having a little bit too much of uh, Neelix's fare. <laughs> but we've seen, though, that like Tuvok and Neelix have some tension. Why would the doctor have tension towards Neelix? Is Kess telling him things? I'm telling you, man. It's the, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a little bit of that, but it's the food poisoning. There we go. <laughs> That yeah, that Digest. was him reading. That was him reading the script. <laughs> Digest, yes. Hear that, Cam? Yeah. He need he needs uh, some troy fish water. Wouldn't it be great if he just become aquatic and we had a whole season of him like a uh, aquatic Zindi? Yeah, they just left him <laughs> a, sal- uh, a salamander. He's like, Ooh, sounds like a whale. I, hey, I'd be down with that. You just put him in a tank next to his console. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be an interesting angle for a series. I bet you know the uh, pr- you know production costs involved in such a thing much cheaper nowadays than it would be uh, for this back in '97. Question: Do we ever see an aquatic Star Trek uh, crew member? Maybe recurring. Yeah, it'd have to be like the uh, resident art historian or something like that. Fiction expert. Yeah. Yeah, there's a script. <laughs> He got all the way to the end. We share your pain, Tom. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah, he, see, well, he, he's dying with a script in his hand. Yeah. Generally, you would think when someone's dying, they'd be a little stiller. He's like thrashing around like a madman. Yeah. I, he seems to be in incredible amounts of pain. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Your your, your cells are changing. I I don't blame him. Hey, first cast appearance. There we go. She looks like she's wearing like um, an outfit designed by Khan, <laughs> like Khan Noonie and Singh. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah. Oh, you mean from like Space Seed? Yeah, I thought oh, you were no, talking no, about no. like Wrath of Khan. I'm talking like Wrath. Like it looks like something that? one of his uh, men would have worn or women. I don't know. Just right. the top of it, like the torn, you know, sections. All right, all right. I look when, when you talk about clothes, uh, wardrobe, and Khan. I think about that. Vest in the bare chest. Not so much him, his men and yeah. uh, and women. 
So Tom's getting a little smart with the doctor now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's uh, turning into a radioactive mutant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of pretty girls. Let's get those Delaney twins over. What do, what do you think a uh, Tom Paris funeral would be like? What, where, are they having it in the mess hall, or are they doing some sort of holodeck thing? Or The Delta Flyer's not built at this point. It's so. probably in the French... Uh, Bar, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like pouring one out for Tom Paris? <laughs> On the pool table? I guess. Oh, yeah. At this point in the series, yeah. Wow, what a badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they established that Tom Paris is a badass. And now we're watching a monologue about him talking about crying in his room. Uh, it... Does it kind of damage the image you have of him? I mean, I, yeah. Or does it make him seem all the more human? Vulnerable. It's very emo. It is. Well, that's the thing, because they're trying to build him as, like, the big resident badass. But, I don't know. I like. Could you ever imagine Riker saying a line like that? Like, hey, I, I, like remember, it. I remember crying in my room more than anything else from my childhood. Oh, is this where he needs pepperoni pizza? Oh, God. It's so crazy. <laughs> wow. What? He's getting amorous as he dies. I think G- uh, Neelix has every right to be jealous. You know, he's demanding <laughs> yeah, no kisses. People that are dying, I don't think, are sitting there like that active. Yeah, and also, if you were dying, Cam, would you go around saying, I'm dying? No. I'm dying. No. Uh, daddy's issues. Daddy issues. Do you think um, Owen Paris uh, was told about this particular adventure when Tom got home? Uh, I, I bet he had access to all the uh, mission logs. Oh, good you point, know. yeah. He could have read up on this. Like, Was this in the initial transmissions they sent through the Pathfinder project? He, uh, you know what? I'd have to believe so. How come they never sent the designs for uh, the new uh, uniforms uh, through that Pathfinder project? Excellent question. I don't know. I, I, I thought it would have looked badass if uh, we could have seen the Voyager crew in those new uniforms from First Contact. Like, uh, DS9 got the upgrades. Why not the Voyager crew? That said, I kind of like how the Voyager outfits stand alone. Oh, do they? Uh, they the, do. They're the same ones as Deep Space Nine, though. They are, but the badge looks, you know, I, I don't know. D- Deep Space Nine had the, that badge and uniform combo starting in Season 3. Did they really? Yeah. Jeez, I'm just revisiting Season 2 right now. I can't wait to see that done. I think it was uh, the episode Defiance, uh, or no, sorry, I'm sorry, uh, The Search, parts one and two, that uh, introduced that look. What, what do you think was a more transformative look? Cisco going from uh, shave, uh, head, no beard, to shaved head, goatee, or Janeway getting rid of the bun, going with the, uh, the bob? The Cisco one felt more noteworthy. I think, and it, I think because it falls at a point where the storytelling really shifts into gear, the Janeway hair change, it's not like Voyager drastically feels different. No. Now, is this a nurse's outfit, or is this just casual wear? I think it's just Kess's outfit. I don't know that I would kiss someone after that. After he dies? Well, look how sweaty he is. Yeah, that's slime, man. Yeah. Maybe, he's, I don't know. He's sweating out the toxins. <laughs> <laughs> they just leave the corpse there. Plus, he looked contam- like a possible contamination problem. Yeah. So it doesn't seem as if we get any reactions from the crew that... They take it well. Tom has passed on. 
Yeah, do you think Kess seemed all that torn up? Maybe they're going back to that uh, Rodbury edict where people don't mourn the dead anymore. Uh, yes, that's what we learned from uh, The Bond featuring that kid, Jeremy. It was actually Ron Moore's first episode that he ever got uh, paid for. A huge debut. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I guess the, the doctor's hearing things. It's like, plot hole? Is, is that the plot hole? Would the doctor hear things? Like, have the auditory senses the same way that we yeah. would? That's a great question. I never even thought about that. Well, there you go. That's why nobody <laughs> mourned him. Why is he just leaving this corpse out, laying out on the sick bay bed? I, I do wonder about the odor that would uh, begin. <laughs> Wouldn't there be, like, a you know cold storage drawer or something? It has to be. I, I think, uh, didn't we see that in Night Terrors on uh, Star Trek uh, Next Generation? There yeah. was the, uh, the morgue. Yeah. So are they determined that they, this was a warp 10 malfunction, or are they still blaming Neelix's coffee? <laughs> it still is very much in line with uh, Neelix food poisoning. Aw. There you go. There has to be some sort of meta commentary on what a wonderful guy Robert Duncan McNeil is. Then Here we go. Yeah, Mike Jonas, my favorite. Oh, man, I completely forgot about this whole subplot. Is he playing video games right now? <laughs> it's like Galaga. <laughs> What's a 1990... What What year is this? 1996? 96, 97. What's a 96-era video Wolfenstein? game? Wolfenstein. Oh, good one. Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah. He's like pounding the hell out of that mouse. Remember <laughs> that? Trying to steer with that mouse? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh. Oh, the Kazon. Oh, the Klingons that we like to forget. Uh, why is he doing this? Because well, here's the thing. Uh, I always ask, what's the character's motivation? And I never right. understood Jonas's motivation. It didn't really make sense to me. Well, the problem with Jonas is he's not a character, so you don't care about him. You know, like Eddington in DS9, they make him interesting. Well, same with Lon Suter. Yeah. Like, Lon Suter is an interesting character. Um, Jonas is just, he's pushing some sort of plot thread along that you're not really invested in. I mean, even Daniels in Enterprise um, had... Far more charisma. Yeah. I, yeah. Give me. Do you think we'll ever see a return uh, of Daniels? No. No? <laughs> Maybe at the con circuit. H- has Matt Winston appeared at any of the cons you've been to? No. He hasn't. I haven't seen him. And I watched uh, the Enterprise special features. He's on them quite a bit. And yeah. he seems like he'd be a really interesting storyteller. Yeah. I, I, I'm surprised we haven't seen him. No. Is there any way for the Doctor Pert to properly, uh, you know, have Janeway in the right frame of mind for what she's about to see? Is there any way to prepare the, her for this? Yeah, he should have got, grabbed that holographic camera that he's so fond of and, uh, <laughs> you know, showed her a few screenshots first. So Kess hasn't changed in the last 24 hours. Is So is that a nurse's uniform? It might be. It's a very interesting I think she design. changes like her outfits quite frequently. Like though. Tom, how you've changed. Yeah. <laughs> does wow. Cat, does, cat still, does cat still want to kiss, uh, kiss him? <laughs> oh my god. How yeah. does she even look at him? Hey, you know what? She's a commander. She knows how to uh you know keep her cool. I suppose. How much responsibility do you think she feels uh for letting Tom do this thing? I mean, he insisted really hard, but all, the ultimate choice is hers. I don't know that she feels enough guilt about it. 
Oh my god, his yeah. head is pulsating like a Talosian. Good lord. Let's see, Tom's getting emo again here. Yeah. This evolved version of Tom Paris, um, all his insecurities are in full force right now. Jeff Goldblum did not weep like this in The Fly. Although maybe um, the original Fly did. Was it David Hedison? Help me! It's literally a man's head on a fly's body. Yeah. Nah. I mean, great makeup. I I say this deserves it over The Visitor, and yeah. I even though I think The Visitor is a far superior episode. I can't stop staring at the pulsating head. <laughs> we can we need more Telosians for uh, Star Trek Discovery. Oh, so agree. I hope Michael Westmore just like patted his whole team on the back after this. Hey, they got the Emmy, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Well deserved, sir. You know, Janeway's really cold towards him. Like, this is a guy who's, like, having, like, a serious breakdown he, over what he looks like. Clearly not himself. I mean, you know? he needs therapy. They need a counselor. Where's the ship counselor? I, You know what? Yeah, give me a Troy or an Esri Dax right now. Uh-oh. <laughs> she's, she's like, yeah, I'd be able to handle it much better than you would, sir. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. Oh, Tom, you were evolved. Shouldn't you know how a force field works? <laughs> I feel like this scene was at least a little bit inspired by Sounds of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, if you saw the scene, you'd say, you know, the Dark Knight. But uh, at, at this point in time, this is only like, what, four or five years after Silence of the Lambs? Cam, do you think The Dark Knight was inspired by this scene here? Do you think Chris Nolan oh, yeah. was watching Threshold and it's like, oh, I know how I'm going to make this the most memorable joke ever? I, okay, Tom Paris is pulling out his tongue. I Say what you will about this episode. I love this moment. This is like true body horror. It's disgusting. I love it. How much do you think that prop went at the auction? Oh, well, I paid 5000 for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the that, goofy laugh. That's my that's my wallpaper on my iPhone. I mean, this is so not the character of Tom Paris, but I do love that moment. It's just I don't know, like I love gross like genre horror. This is so much fun. Okay, well, maybe not an aquatic Tom Paris, but what if it was a Tom Paris as he appeared right there for maybe a full season? That'd be pretty great. What if Tom Paris never got his tongue back and he was just mute? Like, dude. <laughs> he was like Mr. Holm. Right, yeah. Uh-oh. You know, not a lot of bedside manner. I know that's what the doctor, uh, he wasn't known for his bedside manner, but Kess, you, you got to like uh, step in here a bit. You know? I know fans really, you know, don't like this episode. I think a big part of the problem is it really betrays the idea of Voyager. It's this like family unit on a ship and they're really not treating their, well, <laughs> their like inbred cousin Tom very yeah. well. <laughs> I mean, Tom's being a jerk, so everyone's just being a jerk right back yeah i get that he looks like he's from the hills have eyes but you know mutants need love too yeah now this is a little uncomfortable (laughs) this is a uh, emmy performance clip he's even lost his ear there yeah oh vincent van gogh yo Yeah, you know, I, I wonder if the doctor could have adjusted, you know, his own his own image. You know, tried to emulate what his patient looked like, make him feel more at home. Would that help? <laughs> Would it have come off as like mocking him? I'm just wondering. You know, we're watching um, Tom Paris struggle to make words, 
it must have been brutal for like Alexander Singer to du- kind of direct uh, Robert Duncan McNeil through this scene. Like, it's just like, how do you how do you sell this? Well, because the problem starts, I think, with the what's on the page. How do you think they wrote out the uh, <laughs> him trying to say those words? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you think like Brandon Braga was sitting in his office? And like sounding it out phonetically and then writing it onto the page. We can only hope. Yeah. He's like, Rick Berman, what do you think? He's like, why are you calling me Rick Berman? my full name. <laughs> God, they're being so cold towards the guy. Uh, well, I feel they, bad. Horrible things are happening to this man in their life. They're being very like clinical. Myth- yeah, clinical. I mean, even Cass, who's kind of the heart of the show, isn't, like, spending time with him being like, Tom, you know, what are you going through? Do you think – well, yeah, do you think Tom, the patient, could hear the doctor explaining to everybody (laughs) that, you know, in three hours there's going to be nothing left of him? (laughs) Here we go. I love this This is pretty cool. This is great makeup. It's just – I love it. I love the evolution of the makeup. I would have dug a season of Tom like that. Oh, yeah. Now, are those tusks or is that a mustache? I think it's, like, kind of like what – otters have you know like little whiskers tiny little whiskers well they base the uh the ultimate uh, final lizards on sea lions mixed uh or seals mixed with um lizards so seals kind of have those whiskers yeah makes sense oh uh, there's that jonas again oh man that's great makeup Uh-oh. super <laughs> strength evolved strength now do lizard men have advanced strength? Um, I would say yeah. Think about like uh, crocs, like killer croc. Yeah, exactly. My favorite. Do you think? Uh, yeah, when uh, David Ayer uh, did uh, Suicide Squad, he went to Threshold for some inspiration. I think that's what made him take the job in the first place. Yeah, he's like, I've got to communicate my love of Threshold to uh, the major motion picture world. See, I like all this stuff happening off screen. Yeah. Like, that's effective. That is very, like, genre horror storytelling. (laughs) Oh, wow. Phaser in the uh, view screen. The one time a phaser actually hit something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How come everybody's so bad with phaser fire cannon? I don't know. I've bitched about that enough, about the lack of, you know, um, targets on them. It just, nobody in Star Trek seems to know how to shoot a phaser. I guess it'd be, you know, a very short, you know, sort of conflict if... Everybody got stunned at the same time. How was the crew so calm? I, because you know what, they. Uh oh, Cam, this is what we've been waiting for. Oh, uh, Janeway's pulling. This is again. Like, phaser is this, not going to happen. Is this the Clarice Starling in Buffalo Bill's house moment? Yes, it is. Oh, but Buffalo Bill won this time. Phaser discharge on deck six, but no phaser hit. It's classic Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> you know uh, how, many, how, how how is that Tuvok's fault? Odo would have had security there. Yeah, he would. Okay. What? Okay. So, what is Tom's motivation here? I have no idea. This almost feels like a Beauty and the Beast story at this point. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, but I don't, again, it doesn't have the tone for that. Like, I, I really don't know what they're doing. But wh- why is he kidnapping Janeway? Um, you know, he already begged Kess for the kiss. 
Right. He was in engineering with Bellana when uh, he made his escape from that chamber. Did he go hunting for Janeway? I don't know. Like, I just it, wonder what it means about him subconsciously, Tom Paris. Like, has he always had some sort of, you know, attraction towards his commanding officer? Is that or it's just a revenge thing to, on his revenge? part? Revenge? Like, for her being so cold? Yeah. And that he blames her for his current state? No, oh, yeah. That or he's just a big fan of Creature from the Black Lagoon. So, he's trying to punish her, or does he want to mate with her? I don't know. That whole mating aspect is something that just does not make sense and really comes out of nowhere. Well, okay, Cam. That would me, never happen in a new show. Let me ask you this. So, Tom, he's been going through this process for about, what, 48 hours or so? Yeah. He hops back in and does another Warp 10 jump. Wouldn't that do something to him again? Like, some more evolution on his part? What does he turn into this time? Well, because he and Janeway end up as lizard people at the same kind yeah. of point of evolution. Isn't he a little bit beyond her? So if he's a lizard now, what would you have liked to have seen him evolve further into? Woolly Mammoth. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like Snuffleupagus? Uh, obviously. <laughs> and, you know, I-, I could see Janeway as Big Bird. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, and they both have to do voices, the actors. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine a series with Chakotay as captain? No. I think this is just so, such Mulgaroo's show even the fans wouldn't kickstart that one no <laughs> how much did you give to uh, star trek renegades everything uh, as directed by tim russ i'm homeless now uh. by the way can i sleep on your couch yeah i'm, I'm afraid not we've uh, i've got to wash my hair tonight <laughs> you know a lot of this episode is the doctor explaining like medical mumbo jumbo and it's not necessary. I think everybody knows uh, he's transforming. Yeah, it's like crazy experiment gone awry. You don't need that much explanation. I, I think this could have been actually an interesting spotlight for the doctor trying to work out his own issues with like an unwieldy patient. You right. Know? But really, like you said, he's just doing exposition the entire. Does episode. anything the doctor like? Does he do anything in this episode that like results in anything? Well, he hurts Tom's feelings. Yeah. Here we go, this looks Cam. Like stock footage of water moving. <laughs> like, it's, why does it look so weird? Yeah. Oh wow! So one of these puppets had a little person inside of it. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm guessing the one with its arms moving, maybe. Yeah, it was fully automated inside, but only I believe one of them was. Are you sure? Yeah. They just seem so small. Uh, well. All right. Well, I, you know, true story, listeners. I do have uh, the Tom, the mutated Tom Paris action figure on my shelf. It comes with uh, the little babies as well. So, yeah, uh, of all the episodes to launch figures, so like, what? Hey, it won them an Emmy, Cam. I man, I love those things. They're memorable. Yeah, they really are. They, I mean, we've had such good fortune using artwork of those lizards for the podcast. Yeah. you know, it always works. And this moment always so, works. which one was Tom? What which one was Janeway? Um, well, it depends. Do you think with the lizards, are the females bigger or the males bigger? I think the the females. Okay. I know the females often have horns. All right. At least that's the way it works with iguanas. Thanks, Tuvok. There you go. Oh, man. I See, love those lizards. Uh, this angered me. They They leave them on the planet. It's... 
I don't know. know. Lizards raise themselves, really. I, but, you know, it wasn't... A, what, was it Chakotay's choice to leave them on the planet? Well, you know, it raises a whole other issue of, I mean, tribbles. You introduce them to a different you know, environment, and they ruin everything. What happens when three lizard babies get dropped on a random planet? I, you look, We could have an entire planet of these salamanders. Well, hopefully one day we get that story revisited. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a while. Look, if Star Trek Discovery takes place in the 23rd century, we may just have to wait another 100 year, years, Cam. So apparently the script is such a mess, they didn't really have an ending to the episode, and Robert Duncan McNeil helped write the ending. Cam? Yeah? I believe you. <laughs> you don't have to convince me. Mulgrew is doing her best to take this all serious. Ooh. Oh. He's, he's embarrassed. I have never set up like that. <laughs> wow. This scene Speak must have been... for yourself, Captain. <laughs> this scene must have been something else to act. Wow. But we'll never forget, Tom. I do like uh, Janeway's response there. Yeah. They have to say that, I think. Otherwise, this episode is like... Really objectionable. Uh, <laughs> More just so like than Tom's already. look just a second ago. Yeah. Does this mean that she always had like maybe the eyes for Tom Paris? No, because she said she uh, never imagined uh, having children yeah, with true. you. I think it's more Tom had eyes has eyes on Janeway. Hmm. Interesting podcast episode. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Me too, Tom. Ken, we should also say this is, I think, the third time you and I have watched this episode for podcast research, or at yeah. least I have. Is it the last? I don't know <laughs> if we need to watch it a fourth time. I think I've got it memorized almost at this point. Uh, so this would have been my fourth time. I watched it in first run, and I've watched it, I think, about an average of once a year since we started doing the podcast. Yeah. So uh, I've watched it four times. I think that's more times than any other Star Trek Voyager episode. <laughs> I think the next closest one is Caretaker or Scorpion. I forget. Yeah, I think for me, Caretaker. And I think I've watched, oh boy, Favorite Son a couple times. <laughs> I don't blame you. So I know one of the other inspirations for this train wreck was the story of Chuck Yeager uh, flying his, ex, uh, his X-1 in 1947 and breaking the barrier. Yeah. I would recommend to everyone listening to this right now to watch the right stuff over watching this again. I, I, I don't blame you for that advice. Although that movie may have been even better if uh, if Sam Shepard had been turned into a lizard creature. I would have dug that. No, so, Cam, are we making our listeners rewatch this episode, like go through that pain because of this commentary? Probably, yes. Right. Do you think this episode, you know, all the stuff that we really like about it, all the transformation stuff, do you think that's justified? Like, is this episode worth watching considering how brief that stuff is versus all the long lead up and kind of the clunky ending? Um, yeah, because you know what? I, I don't think we really get into the good stuff until, what, like 30 minutes in? Yeah, it's really crammed. I think they took on, or they bit off way more than they could chew. Yes. Um, so what do you think? How how do you think we could have saved, salvaged this, Cam? Two hours. <laughs> Two-part episode? <laughs> Easy. Threshold parts one and two? Yes. All right. Well, I, I hope you all enjoyed uh, watching this episode with us, and hopefully we get to do this again, but only for you Facebook uh, followers. So keep uh, following us at facebook.com slash subspace pod. And maybe next time it'll be an episode that you like. Cam, where can we find you on uh, Twitter? 
I'm at Cam V is in Voyage into Lizarddom Smith. You can find me at Reportin. That's R E P O R T is in Threshold O N. <laughs> so until next time, the arena is closed. Transfer complete.